Welcome to Crime on Caffeine. I'm your host, Erica. And I'm your host, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Today, we be sipping on a coffee that I got while I was on vacay for my husband's Uncle Carlo. How Italian can we get here? It was Uncle Carlo's 90th birthday. Happy birthday. And he, I'm, let's give a shout out to him. He is 90 years old and kicking. I mean, he was going out. We were getting pizza. He was doing everything. You wouldn't even think that he was 90. I love that. He was crushing it. And his wife came up to me. (laughs) I'd never met them. She was like, we're outnumbered. And I thought she meant like by men. And I was like, "Uh, are we? And she goes, yeah, they're all Italian. (laughs) Like, how did she not know that I, well, I mean, I really don't like Italian. So that's probably why she figured that out. But (laughs) anyway, we were in this cute little town, like right outside of New Haven, Connecticut. And I stayed across the street from Willoughby's Coffee and Tea. So I just had to go in there and get me and Erica some coffee. So I got, I brought us back just Willoughby's house blend. And it's so good. It's delicious. And the town literally is just as cute and delicious as its coffee. So shout out to our Connecticut listeners. Yeah. If we have any New Haveners or Connecticut in general, great lobster, great coffee (laughs) (laughs) and great abits. That's what they call pizza. Abits. Oh, what? I didn't know they call it something different. Yeah, so they pizza in like Connecticut is spelt with an A at the beginning, so it looks like a pizza. What? But they they pron- they pronounce it as abits. Um, I've like if I didn't know better, I'd say you were making this up right now. I've no, never heard this in my life, and I'm shocked. No, I believe well, they you. have like they have like dueling pizza places. It's like Sally's Ooh. and Pepe's. They be fighting. They be fighting. So I only got to try Frank Pepe's while I was there. So nobody yell at me. At least not the Connecticut people. Pizza (laughs) Girl, it's like the morning. (laughs) I know. I know. You can eat pizza. I know. I know people eat pizza for breakfast. My stepmom growing up made the best breakfast pizza. I'm going to have her make me that. I need that. (laughs) <laughs> that that'll go over well for you. <laughs> hey, make me one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure last week we received the most downloads in a week ever. So thank you guys so much for supporting and for listening. And I've gotten some positive feedback from our OJ Simpson, Nicole Brown Simpson episode. So thank you guys for the feedback. And we're really happy that you're still listening and enjoying the show and we've got some exciting stuff coming for you guys so be ready yeah we sure do and I know that Erica had a very high profile sporty-ish case last week so I decided you know what I'm gonna do one too oh (laughs) okay Yeah, so we're doing a back-to-back sports week here, and this week, I don't know if you're going to know anything about this, but... If it's about sports, probably not. 
Well, define sport. I don't know. So <laughs> today I'm going to be talking about the double homicide suicide of Chris Benoit. I don't know who that is. He was a WWE wrestler. Mm, interesting. Yes. So if you're not in with the WWE, some of the names that I'm going to say probably don't make any sense to you. But fortunately for me, my husband was a huge WWE fan growing up. And when he has a little bit to drink, we watch a lot of <laughs> highlight videos. So I'm very familiar <laughs> with with the sport. He's a, uh, a Shawn Michaels fan. Actually, he thinks he's Shawn Michaels in some days, but... The way I don't even know who that is. Like, when I tell you that I know nothing about sports, I know even less about this sport. <laughs> less than nothing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I only really grew up listening or watching it because I had a brother. I'm pretty sure, like, my mom like worked out with some of the rest. A lot of them live in like Tampa, Florida, Clearwater area. Like I'm pretty sure John Cena has a house here. Obviously everybody knows Hulk Hogan. He's like huge here in Clearwater. He has his own restaurant and whatever. Chris Jericho lives here somewhere. Titus O'Neil is like the biggest guy around right now for no reason. So big wrestling girl over here. <laughs> yeah, look at you. But yeah, without further ado, if you don't have any anything to go over, then I might as well just go over this. You don't. Take it away. Christopher Benoit was born in Montreal, Quebec to Michael and Margaret Benoit. He grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, which is where he lived pretty much for his whole career. Well, not whole career, but a big bulk of it. Uh, if you don't know who Chris Benoit is right off the bat, as I said, he wrestled for the extreme championship wrestling world championship wrestling and the WWE. He was a world champion by the age of 25. He was a world heavyweight champion in both WCW and WWE. So there's a lot of programs going on. <laughs> He was widely regarded as one of the most popular and gifted technical professional wrestlers of his generation. His father, who goes by Mike, said he was pretty much driven by the age of 12 or 13 to get into wrestling. He lifted weights every single day. When he was 13 years old, he was breaking records in high school. So he was obviously very gifted if he was 13 and breaking the high school's records. Chris married twice, the first to a woman named Martina, who he had two children with named David and Megan. By 1997, though, that marriage had broken down and he started living with Nancy Sullivan. And Nancy Sullivan was actually the wife of one of his WCW opponents, Kevin Sullivan. So... And a slid in on his woman there. Um, and then on February 25th, 2000, Chris and Nancy's son Daniel was born. And then on November 23rd in the year 2000, they got married. This was Nancy's third marriage. On June 25th, 2007, the authorities were contacted on behalf of the WWE to check on Chris Benoit and his family because of several very curious text messages that Chris had sent early that Sunday morning. 
Investigators searching the house found Nancy Benoit bound at the ankles and wrists, and she was covered with a sheet in the room in their home. A Bible had been left by her body, and she died of asphyxiation. She had bruises on her back and stomach consistent with Chris pressing his knee into her back while pulling on a cord around her neck. Deputies found Daniel suffocated by Chris in his own bedroom. A Bible was also left by his body. However, it was revealed on June 27th that Chris may have killed his son with a chokehold. A man named Scott Ballard said the boy had internal injuries to the throat area, but showed no bruises, indicating that he may have been locked in, a, in the crook of his father's own arm. Daniel also had needle marks in his arm, suggesting that he had been given growth hormones because apparently Chris Benoit and his family considered him undersized. Oh. Uh, this is theorized because he was suffering from the fragile X syndrome. Oh. An autopsy determined that both had been obviously asphyxiated. The mother and son were killed hours apart though so he killed nancy first and then he killed daniel second did daniel have to watch no okay not that that makes it any better but curious no daniel was not in the room when chris did that to his wife scott ballard said while we don't have that nailed down completely, it would appear that some period of time elapsed between the death of the two victims and the suicide. And it struck me as something bizarre, perhaps that he would have been in the home with their deceased bodies. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> After killing Nancy at about 3.30 p.m., a co-worker named, because apparently he killed Nancy at about 2.30 p.m. So this is at 3.30 p.m., so an hour later. A co-worker named Chavo Guerrero received a voice message from Benoit stating that he missed his flight and overslept and he'd be late for that night's house show in Beaumont, Texas. Chavo called back 12 minutes later. Chris didn't answer. There were several text message exchanges, and they were just really weird. So... Chavo later says that a few of the texts that he received were things that said, quote, my physical address is 130 Green Meadow Lane, Fayetteville, Georgia, 30215. And then there was another one that said, the dogs are in the enclosed pool area, garage, side door is open. So it's almost like he's giving Chavo instructions on where he's at and how to get into the house. So at 3.44 p.m., Chris did end up calling Chavo back, stating that he didn't answer because he was on the phone with Delta Airlines changing his flight. He was set on the night of his death to claim his third WWE heavyweight championship. Um, he kept saying he was just in a really having a really stressful day due to Nancy and Daniel being sick with food poisoning. He told one of his coworkers that Nancy was throwing up blood and that Daniel was also throwing up. And he ended the conversation by saying, Chavo, I love you, which apparently this was like a little bit strange. He usually didn't sign off that way on the phone. So not only is he sending cryptic, weird messages about his location and how to get into his house, he's 
you know, saying he loves his friends and red flag after red flag after red flag. Yes. Things are, people are getting concerned at this point. So after killing his wife and son, Chris Benoit died of asphyxiation and was found hanging by a cord of a weight machine in his basement. When Chris released the weights, about 240 pounds, which weighed more than he did, it uh, caused strangulation. So um, Scott Ballard again said that the pull-down bar had been removed and Benoit was found seated against the machine. There was a number of prescription drugs that were found in the home, including anabolic steroids, but everything appeared to have been prescribed legally to Chris Benoit. As far as motives go, there really wasn't any clear ones, which is kind of shocking in and of itself. The authorities didn't really speculate on a motive, but they did say that Nancy Benoit had filed for divorce and had applied for a restraining order against her husband in 2003, saying that Mr. Benoit's and hers relationship was irrevocably broken and she was saying that he treated her cruelly. She claimed that he would break and throw furniture around, but she later dropped the suit as well as the restraining order. No. So nothing came of it. Yeah. A suicide note wasn't discovered during the initial investigation, but a note was later discovered in another Bible that had been included in Chris Benoit's possessions that were sent to his first wife. So according to Benoit's father, Michael, there was a note that was found in a Bible by the mother of Chris's two children, AKA Martina, who I just mentioned that lives in Canada. The Bible was mixed in with Chris's personal belongings that were shipped to them. He had a handwritten notation in there saying, I'm preparing to leave this earth. Which I don't even know if I would consider that a suicide note, but... No, like an indication, but like a diary entry almost. Like not like a, hey guys, I want you to find this. I'm going to do X, Y, Z, but like a, almost like him like talking to himself. No, kind of. I feel like that makes kind of sense. Kind of sense. So authorities said that the physical findings announced indicate deliberation, not rage. The wife's feet and hands were bound and she was asphyxiated, not beaten to death. So by the account of the authorities, there were substantial periods of time between the death of his wife and the death of his son, again, suggesting deliberate thought, not rage. And the presence of a Bible by each of them is also not an act of rage. So they're trying to say, I think a lot of people were thinking in their heads, oh, well, there was anabolic steroids found. This must be roid rage. They're trying to tell you, the authorities, this is not roid rage. This Mm -hmm. is something much more sinister. So the toxicology results were discussed at a press conference held by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation at 2.30 on July 17th, 2007. It was announced that three different drugs were found in Nancy Benoit's system, hydrocodone, hydromorphone, 
and Xanax. All three drugs were found to be at levels investigators considered normal for therapeutic treatment. So not, not recreational use or abuse. A blood alcohol level was found at 0.184. So Dr. Chris Sperry added it was impossible to say whether any of the blood findings were due to ingestion of alcohol or post-mortem process. It was ruled out that Nancy was sedated by Chris before she was murdered, though. Xanax was also found in Daniel Benoit's system. Scott Ballard noted that this was not a drug that would have been given to a child under normal circumstances. It's believed that Daniel was sedated prior to being murdered. And Dr. Sperry also ruled out that Daniel died of a drug overdose. However, the GBI said in the press conference that it could not perform tests for steroids or human growth hormones on Daniel because of his lack of urine. So going back to those needle marks in him, that was just kind of an assumption of what was happening, and they could not actually test for it. Xanax and hydrocodone were also found in Chris Benoit's system at levels investigators called consistent with therapeutic use. Elevated levels of testosterone were found in his urine. Investigators believe that the level found suggested that it had been taken recently. No artificial steroids were found in Chris's urine, nor were there any evidence of GHB, which is just like human growth stuff, contrary mm-hmm. to speculation. Chris Benoit also tested negative for blood alcohol levels, so nothing there. Which makes me think like, so there's like nothing in his system. There wasn't any steroids, so the whole roid rage. Why can't I say roid rage? Um, The whole roid rage method or whatever, MO, that people thought motive, not MO. I'm all over the place right now. (laughs) (laughs) The roid rage motive kind of gets brushed aside there because there's there is none so obviously if there's no roids there's no rage (laughs) people who knew the benoits were incredibly shocked by these deaths the wwe had made a statement pretty much immediately after hearing about the family's passing saying quote World Wrestling Entertainment is deeply saddened to report that today Chris Benoit and his family were found dead in their home There are no further details at this time other than the Benoit family residence is currently being investigated by local authorities. Tonight's Raw on USA Network will serve as a tribute to Chris Benoit and his family. WWE extends the sincerest thoughts and prayers to the Benoit family's relatives and loved ones at this time of tragedy. So WWE canceled the scheduled three-hour-long live Raw show on June 25th and replaced the broadcast version with a tribute to his life and his career and featured past matches, segments from Hard Knocks, the Chris Benoit story DVD, and um, had comments from wrestlers and announcers. It wasn't until the program was nearly over that reports surfaced uh, that the police were working under the belief that Benoit murdered his wife and son before killing himself. So then the next night... After the details of all the deaths came out and became concrete, WWE aired a recorded statement by Vince McMahon. B 
before their ECW broadcast hinting towards regret for the previous night's special and stated that Benoit's name would not be mentioned other than during McMahon's comments. Since then, the company has quickly and quietly distanced itself from Benoit. In 2003, Chris Benoit was inducted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. As a result of the double murder-suicide, his induction was recalled. He was removed from the Hall of Fame with 60% or more of the votes elected to remove him. I can't believe that it was... Wait, he needed 60% or you're saying that's all he got? He needed 60% or more, and he obviously did. I really hope it was 100%. (laughs) I mean, they didn't give a number, but I would assume that it would be closer to 100% of people considering Mm -hmm. he – what he did. A memorial for Nancy and Daniel took place in Daytona Beach, Florida on July 14, 2007. Both were cremated and their ashes were placed in starfish-shaped urns, which I thought was really sweet. Chris was also cremated. Um, there was a private memorial service in Ardrossan, Alberta, which is, I'm assuming, near Edmonton, Alberta, where he was grew up on August 6, 2007. Um, but there was no public reveal of where his ashes were. So before I go over, obviously, family annihilators and CTE, there was a report of of paranoia in terms of Chris Benoit's health. So headlineplanet.com stated that after the death of his friend Johnny Grudge, In 2006, Chris refused to attend his funeral, and he would not attend church anymore due to a hatred of religion, which is really interesting when you you look at what went down at the Benoit residence, considering there was Bibles by everybody's bodies and a Bible where he had his end-of-life notation slash suicide note. Sounds like he kind of ruined religion for himself. For himself, probably, yeah. So he would not let Nancy go out past 6 p.m. He would not let Daniel go outside because he felt that someone was watching his family and he was paranoid that somebody was stalking him. Obviously, the behavior was pretty consistent with late-onset schizophrenia. However, it should be noted that the diagnostic criteria for late-onset schizophrenia is still kind of subject to debate, and paranoid behavior does not necessarily mean that somebody is schizophrenic. So he might have had late-onset schizophrenia, but he was definitely paranoid. So that's just something that I wanted to add to his just conglomeration of behaviors that were strange. Okay, so familia side, which is a, w- a strange way to say it. It's also considered the family annihilator, murder suicides, and family murders. Uh, all of these terms 
have been used to describe cases where a family member has killed other family members. The profile of this specific murderer is, in most cases, a middle-aged man, perceived as a hardworking and loving husband and father, highly educated with an undergraduate or postgraduate degree, good job, might be paranoid, depressed or intoxicated, or a combination of all of these. This individual might suffer of depression, psychological problems, and self-destructiveness. The family murderer usually kills each, each member of the family, sometimes including pets. In most cases, he will commit suicide after the killings. In 90% of the cases, the family annihilator is a male offender, as I said, coming from a good, respectable family with no criminal record. He usually is between 30 and 40 years old. Perceived by neighbors and friends as a dedicated father and loyal husband with a successful job and life, he usually suffers from personality disorders such as narcissism or dependency and has a history of psychological problems, as I said, depression, substance misuse, paranoia, anger, difficulty to maintain a job. The main trigger for the killings is usually a breakup or financial hardship. So. As I said before, there was a time when Nancy Benoit wanted to divorce Chris, and she ended up taking it back. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if maybe it was threatened again. Maybe she was saying, you know, I took it back before, but nothing's changed, and She wanted to file for divorce again. We don't really know. We don't have that information. The MO for his type of killer is usually killing in their own home or in a secluded area chosen by the perpetrator by using a firearm, suffocation, or carbon monoxide poisoning. So again, this was in their own home. Suffocation was involved. Suffocation, asphyxiation. And most of the family annihilators will kill themselves after the murders. Okay, so Thought Catalog had a really in-depth excerpt on CTE that I really want to go over. It's a butt ton of information, so bear with me. But I think it's extremely important to what happened to this family. And so I will just get right into it. Chris Benoit was known for his aggressive wrestling style. Um, He had more concussions than he could count. His move, basically, in his career was a diving headbutt. So he would literally jump from the top of a rope and hit an opponent on the mat with his head. Yeah, that'll, that'll check out with head injury. Yeah, and I did read another article. I don't remember which wrestler said it, but... I don't know if you've like even ever seen highlights from a wrestling match before. I mean, sometimes they'll grab tables. They'll grab, I mean, they'll just hit each other with anything. And um, most wrestlers would say, you know, you just can't hit me in the back of the head with whatever. And Chris Benoit was like, do whatever you need to do. If you want to hit me in the back of a head with a chair, just do it. Like, I don't care. So he was totally fine. With headshots, he was fine with 
diving headbutts. Like he was wild out. So some research was done by the Sports Legacy Institute, and it did reveal that Chris Benoit did have CTE because of his athletic career. So there were tests performed on his body that determined, quote, Benoit's brain was so severely damaged it resembled the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, his CTE was so serious of a brain disease that it caused memory loss, trouble thinking clearly, mood swings, dizziness, trouble speaking, trouble with balance, dementia, and suicide can also be uh, a cause from this. CTE is common in any group of people who experience head injuries. So boxers, football players, we've talked about, um, people who've served in the military, uh, domestic violence victims even. So 99% of the NFL is said to probably have CTE. That's nuts. Isn't that insane? Like 99% of the NFL. It's just frightening when you think of the repercussions. And honestly, if you think of all of the positions, the the 1% is probably like kickers. Mm-hmm. And maybe some quarterbacks because they don't really get hit if they have good O-line. Um, but every single other position, you're you get your shit rocked, and that's just like your job. My child will never play football. Same. Oh, my God. Same. Symptoms of CTE appear eight to ten years after the brain injury, and there's really no way to currently diagnose the disease until the patient is dead. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Along with family annihilation, suicide is a common means of premature death for athletes who are diagnosed with CTE after they've already passed away. It's likely that this applies to the general population of people who have suffered repeat concussions, um, but generally only athletes are tested for CTE. So I know that we talked about OJ last week, and we did bring up CTE, didn't we? Briefly, um, but... I didn't really look much into it for that case specifically. Okay. Because there have been other men who have committed violent crimes against themselves or others who are suspected of having CTE. Obviously, as we said, it's very hard to diagnose unless the person has already passed on. Um, So OJ Simpson is who obviously suspected of murdering his ex-wife and another man was believed to have CTE. The doctor who first identified the disease said, I would have bet my medical license on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Washington state quarterback, Tyler Helinski, who died by suicide at only 21 years of age was also confirmed to have CTE. New England Patriots tight end, Aaron Hernandez, which is another huge, you know, high media case. We can Uh, definitely cover that one in the future, too. Oh, yeah. Um, Murdered a man that was dating his girlfriend's sister. 
and possibly two other people um, before dying by suicide. Researchers studying his brain said that he had, quote, the most severe case of CTE ever discovered in a person his age. Holy shit. I was just going to say, it's so terrifying to me. Obviously, uh, when we did talk about the OJ case, we talk about how professional football players themselves are often aggressive, violent men. And a lot of the time they do take up football as like an outlet for that aggression. So you have just like this pipeline uh, that starts because of aggression and violence. And then it's like, okay, yeah, like great idea. Let's put them into football to get their aggression out. Only making it worse and this piled on with CTE and how little we know about it at the time that they're alive is so terrifying. Football players scare the fuck out of me. It's just crazy because you do see the effects. Uh, Like Max's cousin um, played in the NFL for a number of years. And you, it's really crazy the effects that playing that sport can have on you. And just like the long-term damage that it causes and I mean, it just, I don't know if I would ever consider it worth it. No. And more needs to be done to protect the women and the children in the lives of those players. Yeah. Because I mean, ultimately they are choosing these highly violent, highly concussion head trauma sports um, as a means to live their lives how they want to. Uh, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a punishment for the people they're with or the families that they have. Um, and I feel like telling men to take their aggressive violent tendencies and channel it into a sport also should not be a solution. You shouldn't be having the violent and aggressive tendencies. You need to go to therapy. Yeah. Channeling that energy into sports is not going to get rid of it. You're just taking that energy and putting it somewhere else. I mean, even me growing up, I was a a competitive cheerleader. I can't tell you the amount of times that my head hit the ground or somebody's body barreled into my head. Like it's sports are and it doesn't even matter what sport you're in. I feel like, I mean, soccer, you don't even need, well, actually you do use your head. You <laughs> head put that ball. Um, tennis. I mean, I, I don't know. I just would love to see if there's like physical activities out there that people can join that don't have <laughs> CT. I just want my children to play sports, but not get hurt. I know. <laughs> we would love a golf. Back to all of these people. Chicago Bears safety Dave Dewerson asked that his brain be left to science before he died by suicide. Um, He obviously was then confirmed to have CTE. Kansas City Chiefs linebacker Javon Belcher murdered his girlfriend while she was with their infant child and then died by suicide. The child survived. CTE was found in his brain. Kellen Winslow Jr. played in the NFL for almost 10 years before being charged with multiple counts of rape, kidnapping, and sexual battery. His defense attorney argued that CTE caused 
Winslow to commit the crimes, and he was actually given a sentence almost as low as his attorney's offer, which was 14 years. Junior Sow played almost two decades in the NFL before shooting himself in the heart. He was also confirmed to have CTE after his death. Philip Adams was an NFL cornerback who killed six people and then died by suicide during a police standoff. He was not able to be tested for CTE, but his dad believes that football, quote, messed him up. Dave Mira, who was a pro BMX biker, died by suicide and was the first adventure sports athlete diagnosed with CTE. He was also an amateur boxer, so I don't know if it was the boxing or the BMXing. Or a combination of both. Yeah. So those are just a couple of pro athletes that did have CTE, confirmed CTE after their deaths. And, you know, again, we've talked about it while we discussed all of them. It just is very clear that these the CTE is a highly plausible reason why Chris Benoit did what he did. Um, but rather than use the, the Benoit family's deaths as a learning moment, the WWE scrubbed the existence of Chris Benoit off their website and simply just stopped mentioning him at all. In November 2017, 55 professional wrestlers filed a lawsuit against the WWE for CTE-related workplace injuries they'd received while performing for the organization. The lawsuit was dismissed by the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit in 2020. Which, why are you, (laughs) why are you dismissing a case when it's so clear that CTE is causing athletes to do these just heinous crimes, violent, heinous crimes. And even if they do end up just killing themselves and not doing what Chris Benoit or some of those other NFL players had done by like killing other people, killing their families before committing suicide, there are still brain injuries that could cause somebody to kill themselves. So the fact that the courts dismissed it, I just... I mean, because what's the solution here? They're not ever going to there's got to be a protocol. There's got to be something. They're, like, they're never going to do anything that will take away from the NFL, from the players, from the money that everyone is making, from the money that people are making from the NFL. They are never going – it does not matter how many people have to die or kill other people. They are not going to do something that's going to change the biggest sport in America. Like – what, what would they do? And I recently saw like the Steelers players were going back to practice and they had these really crazy like foam things on their helmets. So I don't know if they're like CTE special foam things or if they just like, I don't know what they were for, but like in my head, I was like, maybe they are trying to do something. Yeah. Are they only using them in practice though? <laughs> I don't know. One thing. I wanted to talk about before I go into a documentary that I think everybody should watch um, is a little bit of a wild conspiracy theory. So apparently, hold on to your britches. 
<laughs> there was a uh, a Wikipedia situation, and I guess the Wikipedia page foreshadowed the incident about twelve hours before the police actually raided the Benoit household. What? No, stop. Yeah. So people were like, how did somebody know that Nancy was dead before the police discovered the bodies? What? Mm Mm-hmm. So the police tracked the IP address to the wiki user, and it showed up as a local teenager who lived in the same city as the WWE headquarters. Um. Could have been a coincidence. Obviously, it's a conspiracy theory, but coincidence, like crazy coincidence. And so people like really hold on to that. And um, people think that it definitely was like a vital piece of information. But I mean, I think it was just like a absolutely insane coincidence, but I couldn't not put that in there. Yeah, that's insane. Um, And then lastly, obviously... I like to tell you guys if there's any documentaries or whatever. Um, my favorite documentary on this specific subject, it's called Dark Side of the Ring. And they actually go over a bunch of different things. But I'm pretty sure they have a two-part episode-ish on Chris Benoit. Me and my husband watched it. And I just personally think that it's the most like in-depth and has the most accurate information. Um, cool. So after you listen here, you can go watch that because it's really wild. And they actually have some of the old wrestlers on there who talk. And so it's very just interesting to watch. Again, Dark Side of the Ring. That's what it's called. Cool. But yeah, that's all I have for Chris Benoit. That was awesome. And all the information about CTE was just insane to look at it all collectively and it's great that they're doing so many studies on it right now. And I really hope that there's more advancements on it in the future because this is like just a terrifying thing. Dare I say an epidemic? You're not wrong. Make sure you guys are following us on Spotify. You can rate on Spotify if you didn't know. So go ahead and think you have to you have to listen to an episode before you're allowed to rate, which I like that. Um, so as long as you're listening, go ahead and rate us five stars. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already left a review, please leave a review. You guys don't even know how much it helps us. So we really appreciate everyone who has left reviews. I think there's like 50 or so now. So thank you guys so much. It truly means the world to us. And just the fact that you guys are supporting and listening and loving what we're putting out there. Um, we enjoy it hearing your comments and just like discussing all of this with you. So keep, you know, keep the conversations flowing, whether you want to comment on Instagram or send us a DM. If you do ever have any questions or comments about the episodes that we do, you want to talk, we love it. We love when you guys reach out to us. So continue doing that and we'll keep making the episodes for you. Hello, my handsome prince. (laughs) And Thor has entered the building. Hey, big fat dumb face. I knew. Okay. Well, now that Thor has graced us with his presence, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your week, and we will catch you on the next one. <laughs>